Smith and Jones. It's a Tuesday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And yes, the entire first hour is 99% of the time dedicated to the NBA, to the Toronto Raptors, and it will be today. But I know that uh, I would be disingenuous as a Bills fan that talks a lot of junk if I didn't at least just for one minute just say, yes, I am thoroughly disappointed in the results last night from the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. No, my TV is not broken. No, nothing. there are no holes in any walls. In fact, I did not even have a sip of alcohol last night in spite of the fact that uh, the Bills put in a very rough showing. And Jonesy, I'll just quickly say this because we can dive into it in the second hour. We Again, we want to stay committed to the NBA and to the Raptors in this first hour. But there is, there is a minor fan in me that still looks at this and says, as much as the Patriots ran and ran and ran and ran, the Bills really gave up one long run and only 14 points in the entire game. Yeah. To me, the defense still did their job. I, I like, think they did too. Yeah, no. You can I, I, you can say that they limited the pass. Well, they didn't really. New England didn't pass the ball. So you 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 had a quarterback th- throw only three times. So, well, that means they're going to run the ball then. Well, if they're going to run the ball, you're not going to hold them to 50 yards. If they're running 97% of their plays – they're going to get yards. So I'm not concerned that the Bills gave up 200-plus to multiple running backs. I'm more concerned that they could not move the ball themselves on the offensive end and put up only 10 points and had two red zones in the fourth quarter and came away with zilch. That concerns me more than anything else. Well, you and I, and we'll let people behind the curtain here, you and I were in on on our chat during the game and – like the last field goal that they missed, like the kid, you got to play that one like golf. You do. Yeah. You like you know that wind is blowing left to right, and and you got the pin on the right side of the green. Hit it to the left side of the green. Let let Mother Nature let the wind do the work. Like he should have been aiming at, you know, the far left, like the left upright. Like and and let like that. If it's if it's a a five yard shorter field goal it's good because it sneaks in the wind pushes it inside the 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 upright but that like that really hurt that really hurt and you know what i just think i look at the bills like they're just gonna have to start loading the box like just just like load the box defensively you got good corners i know you're missing you know there's been an injury that's taken some of your secondary down but you know what just load the box and and if they are passing off some kind of play action, hopefully you get enough pressure and your corners are good enough to cover if it's man-to-man. Like they just – like you you, you said it in, in the group chat to me at, at, uh, when I was kind of worried about you at, I don't know, about 11.20 last night. I'm just going to read it from Eric Smith right on air. <laughs> Titans dot, dot, dot. Colts dot, dot, dot. Pats dot, dot, dot. All hammered my bills with the run. The blueprint is out. And I think I texted back, "Ugh, I feel yep. you, man. I feel, yep. I feel you." And and and, and like, guess what? They get they get Tom Brady and the Bucks next week when they desperately need a win. Their nemesis will come and go Doosh, seven and six. Leonard Fournette for for like three touchdowns on 160 yards. Oh and man! Here's I'm, the I'm other hurting. part of it. I'm hurting. Here's the other part of it. You can't not make plays in a game like that. 
Like they had Agreed. Josh Allen had a couple of drops. Like the guys, like he, he, he all he, what's he supposed to do? Catch it for them too? Like well, Dawson Knox there. dropped it in the end zone, oh, and then the that, last throw of the game was on on Allen. I mean, he missed Cole Beasley. Okay. He threw it behind him instead of in front of him. But Dawson Knox dropped that damn thing in the end zone. Like, get some hands, man. Come on. And 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 there were a couple. See, I was calm, and now you're firing me up, Jonesy. You're Sorry, firing were, me up. There were a couple earlier in the game too. When when you're when you're throwing and like you're throwing and you're you're trying to navigate the wind too. Like we're going with the wind. The short passes into the wind. And they're on target. Like you got to catch those. I, yes. I, look, Allen wasn't totally accurate. Some of those, like I think he forgot. And the wind, you know, under pressure, the wind gets you. Like the throw drifts. I get that. But anyway, I, I just I, I feel you, E. I, I feel you, man. Like that. I really. And the and the defense was inspired. There were times when, like New England was three and out, and they'd lose on on three plays. They'd lose eight yards. It'd go from. First and 10, second and 12, you know, third and 14, fourth and 18. Like, they're just – and then one long run or one big play or they find a hole. And I guess that's how the running game works. I mean, they just they just kind of wear you down and they keep pecking away and they, they find a hole and they take advantage. But uh, that, that's, that's a tough one. And you're right. Next week they stare right down the barrel of Tom Brady who's saying, Hello! <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Hello. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm really not. That said, the Bucks defense is terrible too. That'll be that'll be a game that'll be like 41 to 37 or something. I just hope it's the Bills with the 41. Anyway, all right. Shifting our attention to the NBA. More time on the NFL than I thought we would. But again, it would have been disingenuous if I just completely ignored it. So, folks, we had to talk about it. If the Cleveland Browns ever have a Monday Night Football game, we'll talk about them on a Tuesday oh, morning as wow, well. Wow, shot. All right. Ever. Ever. <laughs> All right, last night in the NBA, man, I don't even know where to start because there were a bunch of games to me that jumped off the page in terms of, uh, well, one wasn't a surprise, but Golden State continues to roll as they blow out the Orlando Magic, 126-95 the final there. But Washington lose again as the Pacers win at home by six. Oklahoma City goes into Detroit and wins, so that was a battle of two terrible teams even though one of them has already beaten the Raptors and the Pistons, and Toronto better hope to not let one slide against the Thunder tomorrow when the Raptors host OKC at Scotiabank Arena. Huge night for Joel Embiid in a victory over the Hornets for the Sixers. But, Jonesy, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Miami Heat by 15, and I glazed over them yesterday, glazed over them, in our conversation with who? Who were we chatting with yesterday? Bobby Marks about this. Yeah. When yeah. I said, oh, let's look at the top three, four teams in each conference. Oh, yeah, you know what? Forget the Grizzlies all. I'll just look at Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah as the top three in the West. Forget the Grizz. They've won five in a row without John ja Morant, and they're the fourth seed in the West, a game and a half ahead of the Clips, and a couple of games ahead of both the Mavericks and the Lakers and the Nuggets. What in the holy hell's happening with the Grizz? I give them, I give them, and their coaching staff now huge credit for their sustainability. And I'm going to draw a comparison uh, on a very small sample size to the Toronto Raptors championship team. The Raptors went 17 and five without Kawhi Leonard, and what happened was they developed two styles of play. Here's one style when our main guy's here. He's going to have the ball. He's going to make decisions. We're, we're going to follow his lead. But when he sits down, the rest of us, we're going to get together and and 
and share the ball and play together and we're going to get it done. And you saw that with the Raptors the year after the championship. I, I really wish that COVID did not hit and that team got a chance to stay rolling. Nobody believed in them, but they had the third best record in the league. And the Memphis Grizzlies are doing akin to the same thing, Eric. They have developed another style of play without their main guy. Again, it's only a small sample size, but we saw it up close, sustainable with, with you know, Jaron Jackson, uh, you know, doing a, a lot of work and, and they're, you know, again, uh, you know, last night they don't particularly shoot the ball well at only 43%, but, you know, they, 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 they score, they outscore Miami points in the paint. They're, they're on the offensive glass, 16 offensive rebounds. Like they're just, they're just doing things that you need to do to, to, get, to get wins without your star. Everybody steps up and playing, you know, a little bit more. He's going deep into the bench, Taylor Jenkins. So you, you got to give them credit. And, and to unpack some of the other stuff from last night too, Eric, uh, I watched, you know, I was on and off watching some of that Oklahoma City game. Um, Raptors are going to have their hands full. I, I know what the record says, but they're going to have their hands full. It's another double-digit loss for Washington. That's their last six losses have been by double figures. I wonder if the, uh, you know, if the shine has fallen off the, you know, the globe there and and the threads, it's starting to come apart in, in Washington. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I just wonder what's going on there. Portland gets beat again at home, uh, you know, and, and then, as you said, Golden State. Uh, they're rolling. Oh, by the way, the Chicago Bulls won by twelve at home too. You know, there's another without Demar Derozan. Right, they're just kind of sliding along. So, gotta love the NBA and all their stories. Yeah, if you missed the uh, news yesterday, Demar Derozan entering the uh, health and safety protocols uh, for COVID nineteen, and he's expected to miss at least one game. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed for Derozan that he uh, gets back on the mend real quick and feels okay, and uh, he's able to get back in the Bulls lineup with that victory for Chicago. The Bulls now seventeen and eight, as Zach Levine had thirty two in the victory and the loss for Denver. Jokic with seventeen points, fifteen assists. And 12 rebounds, but there's a team in desperate need of of getting a little bit healthy as well. I mean, they they know that uh, you know they they know that they've got at least one major player down for for the season, um, but hopefully Jamal Murray coming back into that lineup sooner than later because now the Nuggets Jonesy sitting uh, a game below 500 at 11 and 12, so uh, definitely a tough go of it. But the Golden State Warriors now 20 and four. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the Phoenix Suns, after losing to the Warriors and having their long, what, 19-game winning streak come to an end, they now back on the winning track getting the victory last night, and they're 20-4 and four as well. So lots, lots of uh, solid storylines uh, around the association. But I want to jump back to the Grizz for one second, Jonesy, uh, because you're talking about the depth of that team and other guys stepping up and whatever else. You were mentioning yesterday uh, late first-round picks second round picks and and obviously the the uh, San Antonio Spurs come to mind as as the you know the, the the best example perhaps of uncovering you know solid players and the Raptors have certainly climbed the charts in that category over the years with some of their late selections but a guy the Raptors missed on a guy that a lot of teams missed on Desmond Bain is playing outstanding ball for the Grizzlies right now and he's certainly not a household name outside of Memphis but he is starting to turn a lot of heads 
And again, as I say, making a lot of teams scratch their heads themselves right now, going, "Hold on a second, how did how did we miss this guy? Why didn't we take this guy? Were we that concerned with about his about his wingspan just being normal and not like seven or eight feet long? I mean, is that the biggest issue? Because you look at this dude, and he's certainly got an athletic build. He's chiseled. He's got speed. He's got range. I mean, was it just the height? Was it just the wingspan? What did teams miss on? Because this guy looks legit. Well, you know, the thing that impressed me the most about uh, about seeing him is uh, his competitiveness, he, his shot making, and his competitiveness. And uh, he plays hard, you know. And that's it's something I um, I was talking to. Uh, uh, he was in town Sunday for the Giants of Africa uh, event. Pops Mensa Mansu, former Toronto Raptor, mm-hmm. uh, is now the who still looks like he could play. By the way, oh, he still looks like Eric and I. Saw, we saw him after the game to our listeners and. Uh, you know, he's still like Pops is an apt and apropos name for his for his hops. Man, does he pop off the floor and like he could fly and he still looks like he could give you 20 and 10. But he's now the the uh, uh, the GM for the Knicks, New York Knicks, Westchester, the G League team there. And he and I were talking about uh, this generation of players that seems to uh, put it in cruise all the time. And then you get a guy like Desmond Bain it's almost become a skill now in the NBA to play hard. And we laugh because 20 years ago, you, you like, you know, we'll talk to our guy, Alvin Williams about it tomorrow. You had to play hard. Like that was a given. It's, it's as if now, like, you know, wearing a pair of shoes to play is important, you know, whereas, you know, before, yeah, it's okay. I'll, I'll play in my dress shoes or I'll play in my slippers or whatever. This generation, it doesn't matter, but you, you, you know, you had to lace them up and play. And I look at a guy like Desmond Bain, and in the limited that I've watched him, this cat plays hard. Like he, you know, he, he it looks like he sticks to the game plan, and he plays hard. He's he's willing to grind, and um, you know, I I, I I like what he's given the Grizzlies right now. How how can you not with them winning five in a row in the way he's playing? Yeah. He's 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 looked real good, uh, and and if they can keep this going without John Morant, man, that is beyond uh, impressive. Um, I'm gonna jump over again to one of the other teams that you mentioned, the Clippers beating the Portland Trailblazers 102-90, and the Blazers, Jonesy, as we discussed yesterday with Bobby Marks from ESPN, they're the team to watch right now because you know as much as we've been chatting a lot over the course of the season about Philadelphia, and we will in terms of the Ben Simmons watch. When you look at Portland, correct me if I'm wrong, they had an extended streak a couple of weeks ago where they finally got themselves back above 500 then a couple above 500 and they were just starting to climb up the standings a little bit and into the sixth seventh seed in the western conference they've dropped three in a row now they sit in 10th they're three below 500 and if things continue to go a little bit sideways for them the blazers only one and ten on the road that's crazy one and ten on the road that's that's worse than the pistons at this point you're gonna start hearing the rumblings that much more about whether it's McCollum, whether it's Lillard, one of them's got to go. And Jonesy, with due respect to C.J. McCollum, and I don't want to take anything away from him. He's a fabulous, fabulous player. I'd take him on my team every day of the week. He'd be a great addition to any squad. But I don't think the haul or the return for McCollum is the same as it is for Lillard. And if you're really looking to retool that team and restart that team, I wonder if it's better to trade Lillard 
as crazy as it is to trade the superstar, trade Lillard because would McCollum be able to fit in alongside the new guy that comes in or the new guys more so than Lillard who might still say, hey, man, this is still my team. I am Portland. I am the Blazers. And you guys have to fit in with me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just wonder yeah, if no, Lillard I, I, might be the better option. Yeah, and, and our, our guy, C.J. Miles, is, is with us. And I, I want to ask him uh, this too. But I, I see where you're going, E. Um, you know, and Lillard's come out and said he'd like to play with Ben Simmons in Portland. Right. So, um, you know, that that rebuilds your team right away. And they are a nice fit because you have a guy that doesn't necessarily want to score the ball the same way. But a, a guy like C.J. McCollum, I see him as versatile. He can play in any system. He's a shot yes. maker. Yes. He can create. So I think Portland's got a couple of options there. It's just a matter of whether our guy Daryl Morey wants to, you know, your guy Daryl Morey wants to play ball with Portland. He, we were talking about it, so let's bring him in. C.J. Miles, uh, former Raptor, coming in. And, and C.J., uh, when you came into the league, playing hard was playing hard was not a skill. It was a given. It seems to me now that people like to talk about that. Oh, he's got a motor. I'm thinking, like, shouldn't you have a motor anyway coming to play in this league? Yeah, I, I think um, it's just is. I think more so that's the thing that's kind of challenging. That is the way the game is played now. Um, I think with the the up and down and it being more offensive minded and the scoring and the shooting threes, um, <clears throat> it kind of that the 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 outlook on the game changes and the things you start to prioritize pri- make a priority with players changes also if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. um, and guys become more and more specialists because of that because now it's you know. Like, 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 take, we, I heard you talking about Portland. So you take, you have a guy like Dane and, and CJ, that backcourt. So now, like, everything is just to try to put guys around them to make, to make it go. So, like, I don't need another guy like them. I need a guy that can just stand still and make threes and just give me space. Then I need one guy who's, Who's gonna when everything's going wrong? Who oh, I know if I put him in there, he's got the guy, the motor guy you're talking about, who's gonna crash the glass and dive on the floor. And but that guy's not gonna give me enough of the offensive-minded things that we're thinking of on a night in, night in, night in, night out basis. That that trends with the way the game is played right now. If what I'm saying makes sense, um, and I think um, the physicality of the game also changes that. Because, because the guys with those motors like that, those guys tend to hit people, <laughs> and the game yeah. isn't played like that. That guy is almost at a hindrance because he can't even play to his full potential because of the way the game is called now. Also, um, granted, they're calling less fouls on certain things this year, but you still can't really touch anybody. Um, <laughs> but it is wild that 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 is that is being said. Obviously there's guys that are blessed with one that's higher than most guys. Like there's some guys who just have a knack for the ball and really get after it. And that's the own, that is their greatest asset. So you have to be very special at it, but for the most part, guys should play hard. CJ, I'm putting you on the spot here. So I'm going to give you a long winded question to give you time to think about it. 
taking away the obvious answer, taking away the like the the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan, the true superstars of the game. Is there a guy for you, past or present, that you either watched as a fan or maybe played against or played with on a team that to you is your kind of guy, your kind of player? When we take everything that we just discussed. And if you're building your perfect guy, somebody that can shoot a little bit, somebody that's got a decent handle, somebody that can rebound, somebody that plays tough, somebody that's got that motor. And again, I'm looking for like that second-tier guy or that sort of diamond in the rough. Not a superstar, not the obvious choice, but is there somebody for you that's like, damn, that's the guy that I like watching play. He's my kind of guy. Uh, that, that is a tough question. Because uh, right we'll away... circle back I'm... to it if you can't come up with an answer right away. <laughs> Yeah, we might have to. Because right guy? away, when you first said it, like, obviously he was a superstar. He just injuries cut his short. Penny Hardaway was my guy as a kid. Mm, like, okay. not 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 that Michael Jordan wasn't, obviously, but, like, Penny was the guy that, like, that that, that I lit up for. You know what I mean? Like, he, I, I, I felt, like, Michael Jordan was great from a basketball standpoint. I loved him, and he was the, the guy. But, like, the guy that just kind of resonated with me that I that I wanted to play like at one point was Penny Hardaway. Obviously, like, skill sets change and things go on. You learn what you're actually really good at naturally, and you, you magnify that and you get better at that. But I wanted to be Penny Hardaway. Um, CJ, was a guy? As, was there a guy that you played with that Eric described? Like, you were on the bench. That you, that's what I'm trying to. Yeah. Um, I mean... I got, I, got a, I got a name for you. Hold on, I got a name for you. I mean, okay. maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's geographical bias here. But would Kyle Lowry be that kind of guy? Kyle Lowry is definitely one of those type of guys when you're a basketball head because he does everything for your team to win, and I think that's ultimately what you want. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's that's the type of thing. Like another guy that was like that for me, uh, he wasn't as high on the 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 list of things like that. But one of the guys I loved playing with and I loved being on the floor with were well, two guys in Utah, Ronnie Price and Earl Watson. Mm. Those were guys that I knew on the floor with them. You were going to get a hundred and fifty percent of anything that was needed to win. They had to fight the guy. They had to, to dive on the floor. They had to make shots that night. They had to pass that night. Like, those guys were so fun to play with because of that reason. And that's not just because Earl's on y'all guys' staff up there in Toronto now. But I say this all the time. Earl was one of my favorite people that I ever played with. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Earl has uh, – he has terrific leadership qualities yeah he really really does and yeah. I mean, i'm sure you saw that playing cj he he uh you know he i mean he's given a lot of credit for the development of devin booker he connects with the mm-hmm. young guys he's working i know he's doing a lot of work with pascal now uh he, he you know and that's you know like kyle you know and and ronnie price is a guy that came from you know utah valley state like these this, these mm-hmm. little schools and these guys are hungry, man, when they come into the league and they, and they play like that. And, and you know, it's it's all about winning. Whatever it takes to win, I'm going to do it. That was the great – and that was, I mean, granted, our identity in Utah played parts into that too. That's why I ended up with guys like that because of Coach Sloan. Um, rest in peace to him. But um, that was – that was those guys were 
Uh, they stick out when we talk about that anything to win and your type of guy you want to play with. I know it's not like the the top echelon guys we're thinking of, second tier, things like that. But those guys, especially because you, we brought up Kyle Lowry, they fall into that that realm of things, obviously, for of attributes that they bring to the table. Kyle's put together, obviously, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame career after winning a championship especially. But um, those guys are cut from that same type of clock. Speaking with former Raptor C.J. Miles, C.J. To, to me, and I, I mean, I, I didn't know we were going to stay on this path, but Jonesy brought up a, a you know a good subject in a sense, and it kind of springs off a bunch of sub questions and subplots to this. The other thing that I, I think that I like about players when I watch them, just even as a fan, is guys that come to the table with something different each year, where they go and work on their game. Still, they don't just assume I'm in the NBA now. I'm just going to do this and that's it. And one of those guys, and again, perhaps it's 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 bias of, of having covered the. Team team so closely but he's not even a raptor and hasn't been for a few years now demar Derozan, cj always impressed me he was he was never the best shooter and he became a better shooter he was never the best defender he became a better defender his handle his passing every single summer this guy seemed to come with something different and it's not to say that he was the best but he at least became better and was always working on his game and honing his skill. How much does that happen, do you think, around the league with guys where they don't just focus on what they do and mastering that, but they actually focus on other things to kind of bring another tool into the bag? Um, not enough, I guess, is the big first thing you say. because, And obviously there's a lot of things that go into that, like space and opportunity that allow you to grow into certain things. And then some guys might go – in the summer and really go and work on things. And then the season comes and then their role doesn't allow them the space and opportunity to show it as much. And you kind of put it on the back burner. But DeMar is like another one of those guys. He didn't fall. I didn't know. I wouldn't have the last question that you asked. Like he's also, he's one of my favorite people and players that I've been around because of what you say, because of the fact that he, he attacks the game to to try to to try to master his craft, you know, like and a lot of guys don't do that. A lot of guys kind of just maintain. They try to maintain, um, so they can stay in a certain spot or a role or or, or things of that nature. I think that he um, being so close to that, having that Kobe connection, definitely, and Kobe being his his guy, definitely plays into that mentality. I think some too, um, but he. And this year he's a he's another animal, which is wild to think of because you you see him get like you said get better every year and and he's been to the top of the mountain where he's scored thirty something a game every night for a season and he's done all these things. He became a better passer. Also, one of the things we that I think he doesn't get enough credit for. He's a playmaker, um, but I, I I think that he's definitely a role model for for some younger guys who are blessed athletes that are trying to figure out their game because he showed how the, the way to balance it out. What does it do when you, you get a guy like that coming in? I, I, like I, I look at Chicago, um, CJ, and getting DeMar into the fold this year. And, you know, they, they were looking for something to get him over the top. And, and people looked at the moves and went, ah, they, okay, they, they brought in Lonzo Ball. Uh, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they bring in DeMar DeRozan and, and people aren't really looking at, you know, they get Vucevic last year. They did not look at people like, well, you know, they got, they got Zach Levine there. Did, did they do enough? And 
and and chemistry sometimes takes over. But what does it do to have a guy who's obviously become a leader very quickly on that team in in Demar Derozan and putting it together like that? I I think the biggest thing for them is that like I think we tend to because of the way obviously the NBA is still entertainment like it is and it's looked at through the numbers through the stats and through certain things sometimes and then one of the things that you can't that's not a stat that 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 doesn't roll over in the conversations once people write these articles about moves and things like that is that certain guys are real hoopers and true to the game like guys that really, really are true to basketball and true to the craft. And those are, they have guys that are, which is why they were able to to link so fast and, and become like-minded so fast because they they all love the game and attack the game in similar ways. Even Alice Caruso. Alice Caruso, I saw yeah. a quote the other day. He talked about, like, I do, my things aren't the pretty things. I do the things that translate to winning. Like that in itself, that mindset is what makes them be able to make the jumps that they're jumping. He's not worried about being like DeMar. And DeMar is not worried about being like Zach and vice versa. And then you have a guy who like Booch who was in Orlando for all that time. And people forget how really, really good he was down there. And they just weren't making any leaps as a team. Like he was a dude that was, when we stepped into that building, like you looking at your big guys, like, Hey, uh, like, we need you to be locked in tonight like because he can win this game by himself if you're not locked in. He can change this whole thing. Um, and I think – and then with Alonzo Ball, the same way, there's been a lot of talk about him over the last couple of years of the way he shoots it and um, just, like, the way things were in New Orleans of, about, and, and of him wanting to be there or not and the, all the things that – but at the end of the day, he's, he plays the game the right way. He attacked his jump shot, which is something he know he needed. He defends. He passes the ball for his position. I think we also overlooked that position because there's so many guys in that position that are just tremendous scorers and highlight real guys. And I think we become kind of brainwashed into thinking that's what that should be at that spot when you're a big name guy or you get paid. And it's it's not. It doesn't have to be like I'm sorry to bring up Dame again. Dame is that way. And that's who he is, and that team has become who they are because of him being that way. That's not who Alonzo is. That team is good because Alonzo is the way he is right now. CJ, all the all the talk we've had the last couple of minutes here. We're, we're you know we appreciate your time. We're going to let you slide in, the, in in a minute, but I wanted to ask you. I'm sure you're still working on your game and the way that today's game is played, as you talked about off the top, and 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 uh, you know, especially with the the three point shot being such a weapon for so many teams, still clearly something that you bring. Where do things stand right with you right now? And and uh, in terms of uh, you know, I don't know if you can give us any names or any teams, but what's on your radar as far as trying to you know you know kick the door through and get back in? I mean, I'm just staying ready. I mean, I um, I. At the moment, there's not anybody in front or behind or no leader or anything like that, but I'm just – I'm in shape. I'm working every day, um, healthy, and I've just been – I did workouts and things um, before the season started. Some things didn't work out, but, I mean, I'm still in contact and everybody knows, so, like, it's just about the right space and opportunity like we talked about before. Um, I think the biggest thing is just uh, right now is finding a way to um, – to create more opportunities to show that I'm in shape and ready to play and things like that. So 
Um, I think it's just finding another space, and it's not going to be a call to go fill up for somebody to 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 figure out a way to do that. And I'm just keeping my my options open. Um, and I, that should be something. Something's got to crack real soon, whether it be an overseas option, whether it be a I don't know. Like, but um, hopefully, it's you know here in the in the NBA where I belong, where I've been, um, where I should be, and. You know, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing, controlling what I can control. Listen, man, we appreciate your time. All the best for the holiday season. We don't talk to you before, and uh, look forward to speaking in again soon, CJ. Thanks a lot, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks, CJ. There is CJ Miles, NBA veteran, former Toronto Raptor as well. We'll step aside for the break and come back with another NBA vet on the uh, floor and on the sidelines. Avery Johnson next on Smith & Jones. Welcome back to Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. You can subscribe to our podcast as well, Smith & Jones, wherever you get your podcast, rate and review. Joining our conversation right now, we're pleased to welcome into the mix former NBA player and coach and NBA champion as well, Avery Johnson. Avery, thanks for the time today. No problem. Good, good morning. Good to have you on, Coach. Um, we just had C.J. Miles on, and we were talking about some of the the, the, the qualities that uh, are revered now in NBA players, and some of them, you know, you, we laugh at because back in the day they were they were must, and now they're kind of oh that's you know he plays so hard, and that something that it was back in your day it was a given if you didn't play hard uh, you weren't going to be on the floor, but those things go into building a championship team, and and I look at your your championship as a player in San Antonio, and and well. You were right there knocking on the door in Dallas. Talk to me about molding those guys, those kinds of guys in different roles into a championship team and how difficult it, it is. Well, I think before you can mold, you know, especially role players, um, you have to have an all-out commitment from the best player, or the top two players on the team. Uh, they must set an example. They must allow the coach to coach them. And sometimes he may be coaching them very hard, but the way they respond to coaching, the way they communicate with the rest of the team and specifically role players to your question, that sets the tone. And then I think, you know, with the role players, um, there has to be constant communication. It has to be clear, defined roles. There must be metrics in place to, you know, to quantify and measure uh, what they're doing on the floor. Uh, and I think if it's that communication, the trust, um, and, and the best players are setting the tone, um, then you can have something pretty special. Avery, you have such a unique perspective from having, you know, played at an elite level, won a championship, played for, uh, a, you know, a, a demanding, hard-nosed, but a very well-respected coach, and then done it yourself in the coaching ranks, too. Um, so your perspective is is very unique in that sense. As a coach, let me ask you, how difficult can it be sometimes to walk that fine line of being demanding but not being overbearing, but knowing that these guys are professional, there's professional, excuse me, they're not kids, and you should be able to push a little bit harder if need be, but knowing when to press those buttons over the course of a very long season. Yeah, I think it depends on the team. You know, our team in San Antonio, you know, when you had David Robinson and and uh, Mario Elliott and Sean Elliott to go along with 
you know, Tim Duncan, who was fairly young at the time, Antonio Daniels, some of those guys, Malik Rose, you know, Pop could really, really push hard. I mean, and beyond hard. And we 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 accepted it and, and we needed it because for where we were trying to go, we needed to have the ultimate uh, discipline and, and we needed to embrace it. But I think you just have to know your team. Um, you know, sometime with a younger team, especially if it's a losing team, they're already losing. Uh, they're at the bottom of the standing. So if you have a team like a Houston Rockets or, you know, a New Orleans Pelicans or a Detroit Pistons, and, you know, teams who, you know, probably combine at this point in the season have only won, you know, 25 games, then you have to understand how those young players learn, whether it's Kate Cunningham or, you know, Zion Williamson when he's healthy, uh, uh, you, you know, you got, you got to understand who your audience is and and how hard you can coach them and how often you can coach them really hard. Um, you know, you have to be a, a lot more of a teacher with a lot of these young teams. I mean, we had a game with Oklahoma City. What did they get beat by seventy something? Seventy seventy-three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seventy-three points. So, you know, what do you say to a team like that? Do you they say the old burn the film? But how do you get those? young players back off the mat. And sometimes with a lot of these teams, they just don't have enough talent. They're not only young, they just, from a talent standpoint, they just don't have enough talent. So you got to understand, be synchronized with ownership, the management to understand what you're trying to accomplish, uh, especially if your team is not winning many games. Avery, how did you do it in Dallas? Uh, I I look back at your team and I, again, you guys are up 2-0 in the finals and, and well, two zero, and you're ahead in game three too, and it's like something changed in the third quarter. But that 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 to that point though, you had taken that team to to be the the champions in the West, and you your, Dirk was one of your leaders, and he's a guy that wasn't he didn't come from your traditional American background, and you know I know he'd been in the league a while, but. Uh, you know, you. I'm sure you had to take all of the stuff that you knew, and and you know, you're a New Orleans guy. Put it in and make some some serious gumbo. You just can't throw anything in the soup, right? And and a guy like like Dirk, it takes a it it takes something special to work with him too. Yeah, I think that's where where the relationship comes in. You know, you spend a lot of time behind the scenes, breakfast, lunches, and dinners, and you know, just meeting in in the hotel and having coffee and tea and just getting to know guys and, and just trying to figure out what buttons to push. Uh, Tim Duncan wasn't a very vocal leader, but he was a leader. All right. And Dirk wasn't, you know, maybe a little bit more vocal than Tim, uh, David Robinson, the same way, but, but that's why, you know, when you say in a team, it's a, it has a bunch of complementary parts. So what Dirk didn't give us maybe in the vocal part of it, Jason Terry and Jerry Stackhouse, gave it to us and what David Robinson or maybe Tim Duncan gives in terms of vocal, I provided that along with other guys on the team. So that's why building a team, it, it, it's, it's very, it's very, you know, synchronized and it's not as easy as people think, you know, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, you got Giannis and, and then, you know, you make a trade for Drew Holiday who just complimented, complimented Giannis, 
in such a in such a positive way. And then, you know, you got the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker's not much of a vocal leader, but you bring in Chris Paul, right? And Chris Paul and 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 you know, to help with a lot of the young guys and look how they pop. So it's it's very important as as these rosters are constructed, the, the general managers and coaches really have a clear understanding of how to weave and identify certain talent that's beyond even just basketball to help teams elevate. And it's beautiful to see how Milwaukee and Phoenix has constructed their uh, rosters. And I'm seeing the same thing with the Chicago Bulls. What an amazing mm-hmm. job they've yeah. done in the offseason with Ball and DeRozan and, and you know, uh, bringing those guys in. Speaking with Avery Johnson, former NBA player and coach, NBA champion, analyst with CBS Sports HQ. Avery, I, I'm not interested in the fantasy stuff of this, the rumor mill, et cetera, but, but taking what you just talked about in terms of the team building and trying to construct it properly and whatnot, if you're Portland, if you're Philadelphia, I mean, those are two of the teams that I've talked a lot about right now, whether it's a, a trade for Lillard or McCollum, and then, of course, we've been hearing Ben Simmons' name for a couple of months now. How how delicate are those situations in terms of trying to find the right fit for who's coming in and for who's going out? Because at some point, you know, especially we we know there's going to be trades coming before February. And, and how difficult does that make it when you're trying to make that in-season trade to improve your squad and also keep an eye on all that chemistry stuff you just spoke of? Yeah, well, I've said this on many occasions, you know, you know, obviously I'm on CBS Sports HQ um, a few times during the week and talking about the NBA. And, you know, I said this even at the end of last season, Portland in a way deserves to be in this situation because you know, Damon Lillard should have been traded in the off season. And it's, it's that ship is already sailed um, it's 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 not going any further. I, I think he's maximized his time there. Uh, the roster is, you know, is a marginal roster. Um, so, you know, a lot of these teams, in a sense, deserve to be where they are because you have to be proactive. And, you know, with the situation in Philadelphia, even though Ben Simmons doesn't have the same skill set, you know, but trying to get involved with Philadelphia, and you're probably going to need a third team, uh, especially because of Ben Simmons' contract. Um, you got to be proactive, and you know that's the situation. You're bringing in a new coach, you put Chauncey Billups in a bad position, you fired your general manager. So this 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 is a situation I think that could have been avoided, and I don't know if it's going to end well uh, because Damian Lillard, obviously, you know. He's saying he doesn't want people to put words in his mouth, but he doesn't look happy. He's not doesn't seem like he's the same player, you know. And um, I, I think there, obviously, Ben Simmons is <laughs> he's put a line in the sand. He wants to be traded, so they're going to eventually move him. Uh, but it's just a matter of with a contract like Ben and with his skill set not being, you know, really offensively he doesn't even shoot a jump shot. You're going to have to get a third and a fourth team involved. So it's a delicate situation. It's something that probably may not even be resolved until uh, the trade deadline. Last one for me, Avery. Where's the fine line between patience and proactive? Like you just talked about the Portland situation there. Like, I mean, in your eyes, the, 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 
the ship has sailed. Uh, and I'm sure Portland's just still trying to keep it together and, and in a sense, trying to be patient. There's got to be a fine line there somewhere that, 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 you know, there is a, a, a drop dead, hey, this is it. We've got to make a move now. Yeah, well, the proactive part is around the NBA draft. That's when you should be proactive. You know, when when you have the draft and you're embarking on free agency, that's the time to really make moves. Now, you know, now that the season has started and, uh, you know, there's certain triggers on guys' contracts at certain dates, uh, now you're going to have to be a little bit more patient uh, so that you can get maximum value um, in, in, in trade. So um, now you've probably got to be patient sometime after the first of the year going into uh, the trade deadline. Um, that That's something um, – that's probably required. Portland's not going anywhere. They're eleven and fourteen. Um, they they really don't have an identity. Um, you know, you have some other teams in the standings that that has a chance. You know, what, what is Portland? Are they, uh, you know, are they are they going to squeak into the, you know, the tenth spot uh, in 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 the uh, Western Conference? But that's and and even if they do. There's a possibility that they're not gonna they're not gonna last very long. I mean, they're intent right now, but you have a couple of teams, you know, behind them. You know, who knows what's gonna happen with Sacramento or San Antonio? But um, I, I think you know, Damian Lillard is gonna have to be moved and traded uh, for them to basically hit the reset button. They should re- hit the reset button and rebuild. And if you're not, you're gonna be stuck in this land of mediocrity for what the next three years Hmm. coach we appreciate the time and the insight today thanks for joining us all the best all right thank you guys appreciate it thanks coach there is avery johnson former nba player and champion former coach as well coach of the year back in 2006 and working with cbs sports hq as well uh i mean there was there was no mincing words there jones he, he, no. he thinks that the blazers need to move dame period and i guess it comes down to where's the best destination for damian and lillard it seems like you know everybody just wants to look at at philly as the most obvious choice and it makes a lot of sense to have a player of his caliber with a big man like joel Embiid. um I don't know, though, in the end, if Ben Simmons is going to suddenly make the Blazers that much better. You're you're trading two stars for stars, yes, but I think Lillard helps Philly. I'm not sure that Simmons makes Portland any better than what they are right now. So unless there are other pieces going and you can get, whether it's a Tobias Harris or a Maxi or whatever, and again, I'm not making fantasy trades here, folks. I'm just saying there needs to be more there to entice the Blazers because I feel like Portland, Jonesy, uh, you know, after making the move, Trent for Norm Powell, and they've got C.J. McCollum, they've got Nurkic. I, I, they've got good pieces, but they're not like reset pieces. They're not. They're not. They're not trying to rebuild right now. And even with a Lillard trade, if you're unless you're trading into another team and just getting back a haul of young players and not another star, then you won't be rebuilding, right? That's the only way you're rebuilding is if you go get a bunch of young pieces. And I'm not sure if they're going to be doing that. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, uh, The trade would benefit Philly more than it would Portland. Sure, yeah. And uh, I I just look at, uh, you know, I just look at the West, especially where Portland is. And and it's tough on Chauncey Billups. You know, here's another up-and-coming black, you know, minority coach that – all of a sudden gets what looks like a good job and it 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 turns into a pumpkin on him. I look at our guy Steven Silas. Uh 
he took the job in Houston thinking he was going to have Harden and Westbrook. And, and you know, now he's got the number two pick in the draft, right? And, and Chauncey Billups comes into Portland and the, the GM's out. Uh, you know, there's all this talk about trade. Lillard may not be as happy as everybody thinks. And it's, it's just difficult. It's uh, coaching in the league is hard. Winning is hard. It's, it's, I mean, we look at the entertainment side of it, but as a sheer job, it's tough sledding in the NBA. It really, really is. All right, Jonesy, without looking at the standings, don't look at your computer. I'm trusting you. Okay. Hottest team in the NBA right now. Um, in terms of a win streak? Yep. Couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you. I just know Phoenix has lost one game in their last 19. You mentioned our guy, Steven Silas. Six wins in a row for the Houston That's right. Rockets. Because they, Elias Bureau, Sports Bureau said they're the first team in any major sport to lose 17 and then win six in a row. Yep. I read, I they're read now that seven yesterday. and 16. <laughs> so they've won six in a row. They were one and 16. They're now seven and 16. Folks, if you like Smith & Jones, and why wouldn't you? Subscribe to the podcast, download, etc. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and review as well.